13th floor. The 13th floor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't the best, but the views are amazing. Uh, I will be your host today, Coach K, the DIC. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's the diversity and inclusion coach. Uh, we're also here today. I got three of my guys here today. We're missing some of the crew, uh, but let's uh, start with these introductions. Jay Dace, welcome to the building. I uh, appreciate it, man. What's going on? How much, man? What's going on with you? Another beautiful day in paradise, man. Sunday, fun day. About to get some work done and, uh, you know, make it happen. Nice, nice. This work that you're going to get done, is your shirt going to be on or off? <laughs> I'm a leadership. Well, it might come off a little later. But it might come off a little bit later. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Okay. Okay. Hey, ladies, ladies, ladies. If, if you need uh, motivational inspiration on getting those pounds off, you definitely want to connect with Jay Dace. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Jay Dace Inspires. Encourages. Jay Dace encourages. Jay encourages. Dace encourages. encourages. Yeah, That's with the S or with the E, sir. <laughs> That's with the S. That's with the S. J Dace encourages. Hey, man, look, I'm trying to give you some shine, man. You know, definitely check out the man's Insta stories. Um, He is definitely living it, not just talking it. Mr. Logistics is on the cast. Is this two weeks in a row? Nah, man. Nah, you missed last week? Every other week, man. Life, life, life. We back in the building. Well, Ali, we outside today. We're going to do this outside. Record from outside the backyard. Nice. Is that a Run DMC shirt you got on? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, that's what's up. Rep for the people this morning. Hey, so I know you just got back from the Keys. So what uh, what did your kids do to shut down um, the, the power in the Keys? Man, listen, it was late Friday night, and all of a sudden the whole island basically went down um, from middle south of Marathon all the way down to Key West. We, were not, we had just made it back to our hotel, got food. So it, for us, we were good, but... It was about three hours. I had wow. people down in Duval Street already. I just happened to know down there. They said it was like got crazy. People just walked out. I mean, the um, most of the stores had generators, so they were cool. But people were just out in the street, just part carried the part in the street, turn on cars, and keep it going. <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. Yeah, you got to figure. They're probably used to that, man. As many times as they have near misses with hurricanes and stuff, it doesn't take much for their power to get knocked out. So yeah. Nice. I'm glad you guys were safe. Yes, sir. DJ Barry B. Fresh in transition, but still on the show. Welcome. Yes, yes, I'm back. You know, I missed my first show. My heart hurts. You know, I cried last week. The streak is broken. But we back. Exactly. The streak is broken. Longest running uh, streak on the show. But um, I'm excited to break it again. So we here, we live, we ready. Like you said, in transition, but still fresh evaded. Let's get it. And, and where are you at, man? I see you got palm trees and stuff behind you, man. It looks like you might be in like Cuba or something. Where, where, where are you at? You know, I'm in somewhere exotic with no mosquitoes, almost like the Poconos with no O's. You feel me? <laughs> wow. wow. The Poconos. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop the O's. Like a cereal, man. Poking those with no O's. <laughs> no O's. That's the new cereal. Coming out soon. <laughs> awesome. Ready. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you just heard uh, Fresh say that this uh, last week's episode was the first one that he's missed. 
And I don't want you all to think we're only got 10 episodes out. This is number 80 that you are listening to. So this yes, man, this man made 78 straight podcasts without missing. Um, and now he's back. Uh, but, for those of you that don't have the listening streak, you can go back and you can find our podcast on YouTube, Vimeo, Spotify, yeah. iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, um, Facebook, IG. If you're looking for us on Facebook and IG, you need to look for us at 13th Floor, please. Uh, everything else, mm-hmm. you can find us on the 13th Floor. So thank oh, you, yeah. in, and we appreciate you. And for those of you loyal listeners that are in uh, every single week, keep rocking with us because I guarantee you uh, the best is yet to come. And uh, this thing is uh, just getting warmed up. Nice. Now that that's out the way, fellas, uh, I was a little hesitant to want to talk about this because it's like almost a week old now, but I, I think we can give a different kind of view to it, especially since we have our, our, our premier uh, educator uh, on the cast this week. Um, So LeBron James opened up his I Promise School uh, in the city of Akron. Uh, Has anybody else had a chance to to, uh, look into that and check that out? Of course. Of course. Um, I think seeing anybody be able to open up a school in their own city, in their own town where they grew up is, uh, you know, phenomenal. One time for my dog base, uh, <laughs> thing to do. And not only that, when you see the type of school that he opened, you hear about the program that it has free lunches and bikes for the kids with helmets and, um, free college tuition, like what's built into the school and what, uh, hopefully will come from it is amazing. So uh, everything I've seen and heard about it has been pretty cool. Yeah. And, and you mentioned a couple of the things that uh, make it a little bit different from other schools. Um, And just for the record, it is a public school. It is not a charter school. Um, And they have some, some other, some other programs as well. And what he was looking for was something that would be all inclusive for um, the families of the kids that go to these schools. So they have a GED program. Uh, They have a job placement program. Uh, so these are some other things that they have that are available that's going to make this thing stand out from just about any other celebrity school or charter school. Uh, and uh, uh, BJ, I'm really curious as to what you think, because they even have a different um, school year. So I think their school year starts J- July 30th um, and then they end in May and their school day goes from nine to five. Um, they're starting out with just third and fourth graders right now. Yep. Uh, but by like 2022 yep. or something like that, they want to get, uh, I think it's kindergarten through eighth grade or something like that. So, uh, BJ, man, jump in there with, you know, you're the one with the functional expertise in this particular area. So what does that, how does that sound to you? So when I first heard about everything, you know, we, people open up schools all the time. And most of the times they're charter schools because charter schools have become a business um, not all about the education component is more about the business side. So when I first heard this, I had to do some research. Um, but then I learned um, that it was in conjunction with Akron Public Schools, which actually made me smile a little bit because I'm a big public school proponent. Um, I believe in my support and my work alongside of them. So I need to make sure that everybody understands that I'm not downplaying charter schools at all. There's some great ones around, but um, there are some bad ones around too. 
just like this in bad public schools. So we're working on increasing them all. But when I heard all of the pieces that go together with the school and everything, I could do nothing but applaud this man. Um, you've mentioned a couple of key pieces already. Um, Ian talked about like things like the free tuition, free um, uniforms, things like that, breakfast, lunch. Um, all those things, the things that are components of school people are advertising are what those of us in education that are working right now to make sure that equity piece is in there are the types of things that we work for day in and day out. Um, and it just warms my heart to see that going on and this man is leading in the forefront of this fight for this one school as a model school. Um, when you get into all the other aspects of it, so one thing I can actually say is a lot of the talk around Florida, because I can't speak for everywhere else, is going back to that community school aspect where the school functions as the center for um, services that the family needs, not just tending to the educational needs, the academic needs of that student. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about healthcare services to kids. I'm talking about, um, you said, access to GED um, training and testing for parents, actually for um, job placement for parents, things like that, where everybody uses the school as a resource, not just a dumping ground for your kids or a daycare provider. Um, the fact that they're starting off with the third and fourth and building that bench, um, and hopefully gonna build up to K-8 is the goal, is awesome because you can't, with any school, if you just open up K-8 to begin with, you're gonna find some gaps. You have to build a foundation and then build on it. So again, the way they're doing it, I, I can't describe. I've never seen anybody at least start in third, fourth and build up and out that way. So it's gonna be interesting to see, but I think it's a solid plan and they gotta, um, they've got a, a great plan. I haven't seen the, the, the up to 2020 layout of what grades they're adding on. My guess is counting the years, they're gonna add on one each way. Um, so next year it'll be second and fifth and kind of go up that way um, mm -hmm. over a couple of years. So again, you're building that foundation and what you're gonna do is take care of the kids that are coming up below and then start making sure they're ready to go by the time they hit that third, fourth, fifth grade um, and they're academically ready to provide. So you're providing a service to the community for the kids, for the parents, for everybody there. So I'm excited to see how this is going to transpire. And he has my support no matter what. Um, this is an unprecedented event. Um, and I hope more people kind of take shine at this and kind of adopt this method that he's doing and look into probably providing more services like this in the future. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that you said. So it seems to me like, one, it's 240 kids to start out, right? And these were 240 at-risk kids. Uh, what they did was they took uh, a survey or roster of all the at-risk schools that were in uh, that particular district. Um, and then they weighed out who it would be most beneficial for. And then they called these parents to let them know, hey, would you like to participate in, in this that we're going to try out? Um, mm -hmm. So that's how they selected the 240 kids. Um, but then it seems like every other hurdle to a child being successful is something that they're trying to address at this point. Right. Um, Jay, even to the point where uh, they have a, a fitness trainer um, on staff for kids that may be struggling with obesity or, or, or things like that, right? Wow. Which is, we know childhood obesity is, is a big thing right now. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. No so they already took that into consideration It's like, hey, we're going to put somebody on staff. Um, the meals, they are taking care of the nutrition piece where kids are getting um, three meals and I think a snack or two snacks or something like that 
uh, for the day. And that's another partnership that he has with somebody else um, in Akron that they're going to provide that. So it almost looks like they took every possible distraction out of the way. And now these kids just get the best opportunity to go in and learn. So they, they've removed a lot of those hurdles, like you said. Um, you also mentioned, and I, I didn't address it initially, you also mentioned the, their school year. Um, they went to more of a year-round model, which, again, I'm, that's another thing I'm a proponent of. Um, don't get me wrong. I understand that people like summer breaks and time off, but there's the data shows no matter where you go, no matter what school you go to, and if it's an at-risk student or if it's a high-performance student, there's regression during the summer months. Um, kids are not really academically motivated during the summertime in, in general. Um, so that, that school year promotes a lot of time in the classroom and you get small breaks in between. Um, I, I think that's the way all schools should go to, should look to that model. There's funding issues and things that go along with that. Um, I get it, but there, there's a way to get it done if it really is going to benefit kids. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Will it benefit the kids? If it is, that's what we should, what we should be looking into. And I, the only thing that was not mentioned in any of the articles that I read that I'm very curious about is the teacher salaries. I would love to see if there's a difference in the teacher salaries for this particular school as compared to the average teacher in the district or in the state. Um, that would be that's something. A good question. Interesting. Well, if they have, that's a, actually a really good question. If they're a public school, um, they're, depends on your union. Uh, I'll start there first. It depends on that union with African public schools. Um, there's ways where they can have a set salary because that way it's, it's beneficial. It probably had to be open to everybody to apply. Um, they could have weed out factors as far as who gets selected or not. Um, but there could be incentives on top of that. So the salary could not be that off more often most other public school educators unless their union is very super teacher friendly and friendly with the district and these ideas. Um, but on a off chance of not, there's other ways to do incentives um, and, and make sure that they're compensated right. Because if you break down a teacher salary, a normal teacher salary who goes to work in a couple of weeks, let's say mid-August, and it's done in the end of May, beginning of June, really people don't understand. People say teachers collect checks year-round and, and do this. Teachers are paid on a 10-month um, chunk. So the salary is only calculated for 10 months. Um, if they get paid year-round, it's because they're taking less during the year to expand that during the summertime. They're not making, they're not earning a check during the summertime. So they're either shorting themselves during the year to get a check all summer, or they're just taking on their money at once. And most teachers, even if they're shorting their check, they're still working other jobs supplementing somehow. Now, the, the piece with the 12-month calendar, and when I say there's the best ways to do it, is financial challenges. I'm sorry for the minute to pick it up on the mic. It just picked up right now. Um, the challenge to go year round is now you have to pay teachers on a 12 month calendar. So that's the extra two months of salary you have to figure into. And that's one of the biggest issues uh, with everybody going that route. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's incentives in there and the nine to five. Um, if they're starting not if the kids are there nine to five, the teachers are probably there 45 minutes an hour earlier and 45 minutes an hour later, half hour minimum each way. So you're talking a good eight, nine, 10 hour day. If you look at the traditional school, the time they're supposed to be there to the time they're actually supposed to leave is roughly eight hour, eight and a half to nine hours. So, and that's not including a couple hours taking in. work home, right? Well, yeah, I'm talking right, about yeah, yeah, on the clock. Okay. But if you're really into your thing, you don't work. If your school starts at eight, you're there 
seven fifteen, seven thirty at the latest, but you're working to seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and you're working on planning and preparing for the school. Now they do have a curriculum that's STEM focused, which are, again, this whole STEM thing is kind of taking everybody by the country by storm, right? I, I'm a proponent of it, but at the same time, it's like people are not doing it right. So as long as the curriculum supports the hand-on problem-solving piece, that's what everybody should be going to. Now, I think what I read was is that their STEM portion is for, um, is during vacation time, that they're going to have STEM <clears throat> program available, STEM curriculum available for the kids if they want to take advantage of it. So it's, awesome. it's pretty interesting, man. And I, I think there is a chunk of the money that he has invested that is going towards the teacher salary. So that's probably where he has picked up the, whatever the, he's supplementing uh, whatever Akron schools. Um, yeah. So man, it just sounds like it's awesome. And look, he's not the first one to do, he's probably the first one to do a public school, but um, Jalen Rose um, has a school um, that he has. Uh, Deion Sanders had a school, a char- or charter school, but I think they closed down in 2015. Uh, they were having struggles. So he's not the first one. There's some other celebrities out there um, that have their names attached to certain schools, but this yeah, is one that's like this extensive and right. and has this much programming to it. So I'm excited to see what happens. But let me ask you guys this question. Do you all think that this is what's needed in our communities to break the cycle and end up having uh, better contributors or more prepared contributors out of our communities? I would say it's definitely um, it's definitely needed. It's definitely needed. I mean, I, this is the biggest thing, man, is exposure. So if you if you're constantly surrounded a, around uh, low income or or you're constantly surrounded around people who are trying to do you know as good as you are or trying to get trying to get there, but you have somebody who comes in and who has said, hey, I'm I'm from where you're from and I've been able to do this and I want to give back to you. It just shows that man, it's possible and and. It's like a paradigm shift, and when you can get that that mind shift going, it just opens up a whole new window, man. And then edu- you throw the education piece in there, um, yeah, man. I just think that this is definitely what will be. It's, it's a game changer, if you will, for the at-risk youth, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, in in theory, of course, it is, and only time will tell. Because I'm pretty sure Deion Sanders had the same thought process right with his school when he created it and opened it up, but it it did have to close. So only time will tell if the blueprint that he's laid out is going to be successful. But in theory, like I said, I I really hope it does. And I really do believe that it is something that can help out, especially lower income areas is the ability. There are so many athletes and entertainers who have come from these areas that if you can set out that blueprint to be able to create these schools, again, if you go and see the pictures and, 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 and watch the video, the interview of him walking through the halls, it's a beautiful school. It's really cool. And I can see kids wanting to educate themselves there. And the, the, the fact that everything is so accessible, I just hope that it, it, it falls in line like it has. But LeBron James, out of any player, I've ever seen in my life seems to be the player who I think could execute it and make it something that actually works. So yeah. the partnerships, the partnerships are always great. Um, and I think like, just like you just said, the fact that it is LeBron James just made it even that more special in the sense for his hometown and for the people there. 
Um, but the, these ideas that, that are going into the school, and that's why, again, why I said I got excited, these should be universal ideas. This should, this should be the standard which by public education runs. Um, and it, again, I can talk about this stuff all day, and I'm not going to. Um, but Please, the, the, the viewers can tell, because this is the most you said probably combined in all podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. I get in trouble all the time because I'm quiet, but then when somebody brings up school, I talk for another hour, and then everybody's ready to go. But anyway, <laughs> um, when, I, when I look at the public school system and you look back at the history of it, the public education system was created during the industrial age because they needed to produce individuals that could read, write, and do basic math and to, in order to go out into the field and work jobs, right? Our, even though we've come through that, that industrial age to the information age, our public education system has not kept up with that transition. Um, and we're not preparing kids by large for to live in this time and preparing kids for jobs in society that we have no idea what's going to happen five, 10, 15 years down the road. We have not kept up with that challenge. Um, and that is the challenge for education systems. That's why I said this is a model um, to go back to that, that community school, that community um, enhancement piece that everybody benefits. The school is a resource for everybody. Um, it's not just, again, like I said earlier, the way you can send your kids from eight to three, and then they come home and go back and do it again. And for some parents, a babysitting place to be kicked it real. Um, when these programs and his initiatives get started and take take flight, because I know that we're, I'm just excited about to hear, keep up with it and how it's going to go. That's the education nerd to be coming out. Um, but I want, I want to see it to see. Um, but the, it shouldn't re rest on a person to adopt a school and say, okay, we're going to do it for this school. We're going to do it for that school. Um, here in Miami, or I'm in Brown now, but the majority of the schools I worked with earlier in Miami, um, I have the same cycle of schools that follow my list. I work with the lowest performing schools in the state of Florida. And in Miami, Broward, Palm Beach, my area, I have the same cycle of schools that keep coming back again and again and again. One of the most important pieces that he, he mentioned, I remember from the interview, was that he was talking about his fourth grade experience and how he missed 80, like 84 days or 83 days, something like that. Yep. Of school? Yeah. Something like that should never happen. And again, I understand home circumstances and things like that, man, but there should be no reason a child misses 83 days of school in a year without the resources in the community stepping in to help out. Oh, my. Y'all hear that? No. Oh, okay. It's just started thunder real quick. Um, we're going to cut this short and go inside in a minute. Um, <laughs> hey man, that's that's why you should talk more often, man. You, when you talk, man, it just drives hey, power, man. Look at that, like exactly. the thunder, thunder rolled for you. So, the, but these are these are the things that should come naturally from a parents should expect these things from a school, community should expect these things from school, and hold the school, the teachers, the principal, and the district administrators to a higher standard um, of what the expectation is. Um, but a lot of times in my, a lot of times in my lower performing schools or in my lower socioeconomic communities, which our parents didn't have a great experience in school. So their dealings with the school is not always in a positive light. We don't have the support. We don't have a thing. There's many different trails. I can go down this road, rabbit hole again, many different reasons why. Now, when we get to the root of it, though, again, it comes back to the child is sitting in that seat. What do they need and what do they deserve? If we're not giving them that, then we're failing as a system. And as a public education system, everybody needs to get involved because, again, it's public education. 
your tax dollars are going to how we spend it. I think that's a great point that a lot of people don't think about is how how important like the public school system should be the community base and should be that touch point and the ability to, you know, create our future. And so it's just very uh, awesome you brought up that point. Yeah, man, I think that is, it's, it's just great how he's, um, like everybody's getting equal education. Everybody's getting treated like just on the same playing field. And I think that that's just, that is, a, once again, another so use the phrase again, game changer, just because um, I just know that growing up in school, growing up back in Milwaukee, man, that everybody has this this mindset that if you have and I don't, it's like I have to take what you have or it's, it's, it's like you're better than me. But everybody's getting a bike when um, when they first, on the first day and everybody's getting, you know, equal. Uh, and like I said, education, everybody's I have access to the same stuff. So when you don't have that scarcity aspect, like Kay said earlier, you can, or I think it might have been BJ that said that you can like kind of relax and take that stuff out of your mindset and actually just, do what you're supposed to do in school, which is learn and, you know, and apply yourself to the best of your ability. So, uh, yeah, definitely hats off to LeBron for that, man. And it really is raining, so I'm going to step aside while I do this. Okay, no problem. We don't want you to get electrocuted, uh, especially no, not, not with filming. That would just be terrible. Um, it would drive our ratings, but we don't I want to I was about to say, about man, that. we shoot to the top of the charts. Right. <laughs> so, uh, while we're – I, I want to talk about one more thing. Um, but I definitely want to acknowledge that Faison is in the building. Yeah, live from the six, baby. <laughs> live yeah. from the six. Wow, you might be the first out of the country uh, person that uh, is on the podcast. I appreciate. It. I, I almost missed it. I things didn't go the way I wanted them to, but uh, it worked out, and I had to get on. I had to at least, if nothing at all, just say those words. Live from the six. Live from the six. <laughs> He's such a nerd. <laughs> oh, oh, face on. <laughs> right. Hey, so, uh, man, again, just props to LeBron, and hopefully what he has done has at least presented a prototype of what can be done in the future. And we always talk about how can our – athletes and our celebrities um contribute and here's somebody that's look man he just gave you the blueprint how can you contribute so um but i don't want it to stop there i think just as citizens of this country uh there are people that have money and you don't know what to do with it and you need that tax write-off and you have friends that you can go get with that also have money here is a perfect example of what you can do um, if you're able to pool your money. And then the second part of it is you have to get input from the right people on how to do it because it's very clear that he didn't just go, oh, I'm just going to open a school, and he just went and did it just randomly. There was a whole lot of thought put into this, a lot of partnership. And I think if we can do that at that level all across the country, we can definitely improve our educational system. Um, and as BJ said, go into those uh, economically challenged areas and provide them a great opportunity as well. Now, I hope it's the blueprint. I, I hope it is. And mm-hmm. I hope that people like 45, you know, we never really say his name because we don't want to give him props. But this man came out and basically tried to tear it all down like five days later 
uh, you know, he's tweeting out that <clears throat> Don Lemon is the most stupid person on t- on 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 television, um, and he was doing a great job of making Le- LeBron James look smart, which is hard to do. Wow, man, you really gotta wonder, like, is it that grotesque to? those people in power that don't want to see people that don't look like them thrive and progress is something like this just so gut turning that you have to make a comment like that. I think the funny thing is with him, it's more that he knows LeBron James doesn't like him and and 45 is just that vindictive and just like, I don't even think it's on that thought process with him. It's just more, he, he has no filter no, like all he thinks is LeBron. I know he doesn't like me, so anything that comes out and any publicity to him is good publicity. He doesn't care what it is. That it was more just a personal. I just don't like because even the way what's said is like a third grade sentence, right? <laughs> like John Lemon's the dumbest, the dumbest guy on earth, and he made LeBron James look smart. It's like, what are you talking about? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, the, the man just has no. I, I can't even say no filter. It's just no thought process. He just says whatever the heck is is coming out. It just comes out without thought. There was no reason for any comment to be made at all to do anything. So it, you have to wonder and sit there and think that it was just to start the talk or start a bad perception or start understanding that I'm at this power and I can say these things. So all my constituents, yeah, he's right. He's right and start getting some agreement and start the mumblings down. It's like the instigator, right? Yeah. Something like yeah. It don't have to do nothing else. That's exactly what 45 is. He just wants to be part of the conversation. And if he's getting, somebody else is getting some type of shine, especially somebody that he doesn't like, he doesn't care. He wants to figure out any type of way to take it back. If anything should have been said, what his, his wife said should have been his wife what him was down. said, right? Yeah. And, and to come out with uh, a, a tweet after he says something so idiotic that she comes out with something that everybody, you know, how much do you hear about Melania, right? How much do you really hear about what's going on with her, let alone her, her tweets that her to come out not only against Trump, but then to, to say how good it is, what LeBron's doing. It's awesome. Well, let me ask you guys this question, right? And I don't want to give this too much time because he just doesn't deserve it. Um, but do you guys think this is just a representation of the conversation that happens behind closed doors normally? Oh, this is very, very tame conversation that happens behind closed doors. That's without a doubt. If this was on public, please. No, what, what, what I mean is in relation to minorities and people that aren't in power becoming empowered, is this the type of conversation that happens in closed doors and how things of course get suppressed? It's the conversation, because that's right. why, that's exactly why the public school system is what it is right now, right? Because they, they choose not to be able to instill the right pieces into the system, right? And that's across the board for all types of things. That, of course, that's a conversation because they do not, we want to remain in power, that we do not want to give them the opportunity to even progress to a state where they can overturn. You know, they are already coming through from the, the hard, you know, uh, factors that we created. 
that God forbid we give them make it make it actually a, a level playing field. When you put the person a person in power over the public education system in your cabinet that has real no background in public education, has a history of running charter schools into the ground, mm. has a history of not being not not supporting public education as your the main person in charge of the public education system in the country, you're, you're making a statement right there. So then the first piece of the first piece of legislation or bill you actually signed about education in the what two and a half years you've been there now. I don't even know. I can't keep track no more. I don't care. Um, like the first thing you signed was this week and had to do with um, CTE education, continue um, career and technical education. It's the first thing you signed or done again public education um in the in the time you've been in office it says about your a lot about your um your stance and how you feel about everything your actions speak louder words so whatever words are saying behind closed doors your actions are showing me exactly what you believe in so i think kind of going back to to case said about the behind closed doors then i'm gonna bring it back to ubj because you have more information on the school background but yes this is th what you're hearing is his snippet of what he said is what's happening behind closed doors because you have to think that there's old money and new money and old money loves to make sure that new money doesn't spread and doesn't get too far. So all that old money sitting there, that old power um, is threatened by the fact that there's change and there's new things going forward and it's being passed wrong. Um, and there are going to be people who want to, to just, you know, uh, put roadblocks up and I'm sure LeBron had, hella roadblocks to go through to get anything approved and done. And, you know, I'm, kept, I'm coming in late, but I know that I listened to the interview and he made sure to mention his right-hand person who was like the person who did everything and followed all the laws and read everything to make sure that this was a success from the start. But I, I mean, did he try to do it too in New York? He opened his one, it was a charter school, but it wasn't as big as this because of the, you know, people aren't, don't want to move forward. Yeah, it was, we heard about it on our radio stations and our things, but it stopped there. So this is like the initial after Oprah's Africa thing, Africa um, schools. This is the first U.S. big like, hey, this, this can happen. We can do this in every single city. So I do hope that um, that blueprint goes forward. I do hope that, you know, other people, other cities go back to their homes and go back to Chicago, go back to Philadelphia, go back to the, the areas people need, need good schooling um, and make it happen. And then tying back to, to BJ, like how, so in public schools, how is it broken down where there are areas that are you know, more affluent, less urban, who are in public schools and get better education than the private schools get in the urban cities? Um, like, how does that work? And how, how is that factoring and being broken down? Because that's confusing to me. And I ask that because EJ's school in Wayne, um, it's like one of the best public schools in like all of New Jersey. But then to maybe to a city over is another, another city and it's like the worst public schools ever. And it's, I know taxes have to do with that and how it works, but just want to know your thoughts on how that process goes through. There's a lot of gerrymandering of within districts. By that I mean um, the zip code, um, restructuring and, and how kids are shipped to different places. Um, it's a lot to do with how the school board sets up and those boundaries. Um, if you're an open boundary school, if you're a closed boundary school, um, and every city is a little bit different. 
Um, it just it goes back to the teacher quality. It goes back to the teacher recruitment um, and teachers coming out of teacher college ready to go into the field and the training they need. Or are we talking about out of field um, from the business engineering world that have second careers as teachers? Um, mm-hmm. That plays a factor. There's a whole bunch of different factors that play. There's not a one single silver bullet that's going to answer your questioning because I'd have to take it each city, each community, little by little, and kind of pick it apart and kind of see what the makeup is. But the bottom line is that um, when most taxes are a part of it, but what a lot of people don't realize that a lot of it today goes back to per pupil. So it doesn't really, it matters where you live. Mm -hmm. Funding, ideally on paper is the same. Let's just say it's $500. You get $500, per kid to do X, Y, and Z. And then Title I kicks in with, depending on your, the makeup of minorities versus um, lower socioeconomic status in the school, extra money comes in there. But again, I can go many details. Money isn't always the answer. Okay. It, mm-hmm. it helps a lot, um, but, but a lot of the resources keep people want to bring into schools or everything. Yes, we're, we're charging consultant fees out the wazoo to get a job done. It, maybe cost ten, fifteen thousand dollars, but it's a fifty, sixty thousand dollar contract mm-hmm. sitting on the table. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not stopping anybody from making money. I just think some of the stuff out there is ridiculous. Yeah. That's BJ's stance. Um but when I come to look at what each individual school needs, that's why I go back to the whole thing I've been saying, I think the last time I was on and I say it a couple other times, the equity in education. Do the kids and the teachers have the resources and the things they need to make them equal to give them equal access to learning and information that every single kid in that district has, whether it's in that district and state in the nation, whether it's the funding to get new computers in the school because my computers are five, six years outdated and then I'm bringing new computers in, but then the infrastructure can't support them. So I'm bu- I want to buy a hundred laptops and use them, but I don't have the internet, the Wi-Fi to do so in my building or my building is so old. I can't upgrade the system in there to use them effectively. Um, again, we, we can have a whole nother show on all these topics. So so if I were to say, like to end this off and, and give us, give parents two action things they can do right now to go back to their schools to avoid them leaving, um, leaving their public schools going to private school, what could parents do to, to change? Two action points they can take right now before school starts. We're technically school starting soon. So my, my so first thing it's is start, already started in some places. Some places already started. Yeah, and tomorrow. And that's a, that's a shame. That is horrible. I feel bad. A lot of the things um, that parents can do right now, I would say you have to know the school again. You have to become int- intimately involved with the school. That means understanding what the school's goals and mission are, and how you play a part in it. For instance, if your school is trying to start a magnet program, what can it, what resources can the parents bring? Um, what resources does, does the school have already in place that supports parents? And again, these are things they can do to benefit themselves, but how they can support their students, um, how anybody can support their students. As a community member in a public school, you have the right to understand what's going on in the school. You can walk up to the school and ask them for the school improvement plan, because every school needs to write something similar. They may call it different things in different places. In Florida, we call it a school improvement plan. Everybody has to have one. Basically, is even if I'm in A school, what is my goal? What is my step? What am I working on now to improve my school this year? You can see their blueprint for the year and then fit how you fit in. If you're a business owner and you can contribute resources, you can contribute time, 
to come in and help tutor, help um, mentor. That's one thing. If you, um, if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad nowadays, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Um, and you have a couple of hours that, that you can go get involved, not, not just the PTA, get involved with the instructional team. Um, they, they call it different things every single school, every, every state, every district you go into. Um, but get involved with the instructional team and talk about the curriculum that's going on, talk about testing, talk about all these different things, get informed of what's going on. That's my best advice. Um, and again, if you need anything, please just drop a line and I can help point resources. I know people all over the states um, and most of the major cities um, have a connection or in somewhere. I'd be happy to shoot you an email or a link to somebody to get you in places. Right. And then the other thing would be for those of you who have the opportunity to vote for your publicly elected school officials, you need to pay attention to that and don't go into that blindly and just select people. Because here's the thing. So especially for our communities, what happened to us is that when we desegregated communities and schools, we lost the ability to put our best and our brightest to be in charge of our kids. So now it's really a roll of the dice. As, D, as BJ said, there's not a whole lot of difference with the money per se, but the people who are choosing what to do with that money and how to use it, that's where it becomes a, 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 an issue. And it's a, it's a gamble at that point. And that's why we have these school ratings that don't be fooled by these school ratings. Um, you, you, you need to go get involved. You need to go visit. You need to go ask questions. You need to understand what it is that you're putting your child into. Make them talk to you. That's what they're there for. They're, as a public school employee, you're a servant of the community. No matter how they try to treat you or act like you should be there, you have a right to be there. Now, at a certain <clears> time, certain things you get to do, do it the right way, but you have a right to know what's going on in that public school, in your community, or your child's school. Awesome. Bad. Nice. Awesome segment, fellas. Uh, if we could transition over to Art's Corner. Yeah, for the people, Art. Yes, I'm man. I'm glad. I'm glad I made it, man. This is this is awesome. So so I was listening, and, and I, I'm out here at um, Caravana, um, you know, with the family doing things, and and just listening to a lot of young professionals, and and I mean they're partying like crazy, but when the partying stops and the alcohol wears off, you hear them talk like business, and it, it's just kind of cool to hear the young people talk about negotiation and the power of timing. So a lot of these young guys, 20, 24, 25, 26, they're you know, doing job hopping. So they're changing from job one to job B to job C as they progress their, progress their careers. You know, us as the old timers, I say old timers, but we were, you go into your job, you stay in your job, you find it, and you just ride those jobs to the top. That's not the way it works now. So the power of negotiation, meaning the, the accepting offer you may get, don't be shy or be afraid that you can't get anything better. If someone comes to you with a number, 100,000, and you think, oh, no, I'm, I'm better than that. Don't accept it because it's what you think that it is. Go higher. Go counter offer back because there's always a, a number in between you can work with. So don't shoot yourself, male, female, black, white, it doesn't matter what it is. Don't shoot yourself short by accepting what you get the first time. The game of business is negotiation. And if you need help with that, talk to people around you. Talk to the people who are in higher levels. Talk to executives. Get mentors. And ask those questions because you can lose a lot of money in the background by not properly negotiating your salary in the long term. And this is three, four jumps. You could have been, you know, super high, but you've decided to take a hundred thousand when you could have actually been making one thirty. But you thought, oh, this is great. I can't even sixty to hundred thousand. I'm happy now. 
doesn't mean that's, that's where you should stop it. So negotiation is a powerful tool. And if you're not sure, you can always tell them, can I call you back tomorrow with an answer? That's where business works. Don't be a Maybach with Honda compensation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fresh, fresh in biz. What's happening, y'all? Number one entrepreneur ninja in the building, somewhere tropical. Um, man, this week, we're going to talk about getting out your comfort zone. It is a necessity for you as an entrepreneur to understand sometimes there are going to be things that make you uncomfortable, but those things are some of the things that are the, the largest necessity to you accomplishing your success. So strategically do it, but make sure to get out of your comfort zone and so that it can help you level up and be able to uh, push yourself, you know, to that next level of your entrepreneurial success. So level up, push yourself, let's get it fresh of the week. Nice. Sure, sweet. And uh, since we got him, we never know which Sunday he's going to be here, and he's not. Jay's here. Jay, what is your fit tip of the week? Yeah, man, if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to lose weight, a good way to do that is to drink water uh, right before you eat. Actually, about 30 minutes before you eat. And when I say water specifically, I would say about, I think the study was 500 milliliters or 16.9 ounces of water. It was a study where one group of individuals actually drank water 30 minutes before they ate, and there was a, actually a group who did not drink water 30 minutes before they ate, and the water group actually lost. I think it was, I think it was 10 to 15% more weight than the other group, and it was both on calorie-restricted diets, but definitely, man, incorporate water smarter <laughs> into your day and drink it about 30 minutes before you eat. It'll help lower your ghrelin hormone, which is your hunger hormone, and, um, and raise your leptin hormone. So what was the name of that hormone, Jay? Ghrelin. Ghrelin? Ghrelin. G-R-E-H-L-I-N. Ladies and gentlemen, look, I'm telling you, the man is not just talking about it. He's living it. Um, and as you can tell, he's doing the research on it. I mean, who, who knew about the whatever that hormone is? It starts with a G. <laughs> hey, as, as the Migos say, walk it like I talk it. I definitely appreciate that tip, Jay. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, look, I think this has been such a powerful episode. We don't even need a, a closing note. Um, but what I will say is this, don't be afraid to be that first person. Don't be afraid to be that person that sets the prototype for the future. And there are many of you out there sitting there on with a prototype in your head right now. And you're just worried about what the public opinion is going to be. What are people going to say? Is anybody going to support this? Don't worry about that. As the movie says, if you build it, they will come. Mm. That's DJ our show this week. The mic. Right? That's our show this week. Uh, we thank you for coming out and supporting on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Mr. Bricks, don't believe the hype. The 13th floor. The 13th floor.